This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. JC Penny is coming here because of me. You ask anybody, they'll tell you. Joining me, as always, Mr. Positivity himself, Wolfie T. Little pigs, little pigs, let me come in. What's up? Not much. Uh, you sound just just a twinge different. <laughs> well, I've been sick for the last week, so we've we've delayed our long-anticipated Christmas episode, which is uh, here now being recorded. Uh, I'm sacrificing my my voice for the fans, <laughs> for the listeners. On the eve of Christmas Eve. Just in time. Yeah, just under the wire, this episode's going to come out. It's Toyota style, just in time. You only do it when it's needed. <laughs> uh, put a big bow on this episode. Six Sigma or whatever they call it. Mm. Yes, it is our Christmas episode, the last episode of the year and the season. Since I know we we all pay so much attention to what constitutes a podcast season these days. <laughs> Dead air. Oh, were, were you asking for a no. response there? Oh, wait. I, I wanted the dead air because nobody gives a shit what, a, what constitutes a season for a podcast. I just started giving everything a designation because that's how it works on Podbean. Because when I switched over, I was I was assured that I could post the previous episodes in order, just as long as I put uh, designate them by season and episode number. So I went through everything, gave it all their own season and episode number, and then they just put it at the top of the feed. <laughs> now, if you're on uh, Apple Podcasts and certain other podcast apps you can filter by season and it'll look better it won't just you know show you the the newest posted episode but yeah I guess it's kind of a big waste of time but yeah so get ready for old seasons of the show <laughs> coming out after christmas after this episode after i've given it a few days to breathe i'll start posting some other well not just some other like over 100 episodes over the next few weeks, classics. Every yeah. single one of them. No, well, not every single one. <laughs> not every single episode. I'll probably go back to about 75 or so. And then I'm saying every single one that you post is, is a classic episode. Well, of course. Of course. Of course. One of the best. I'm gonna to listen to every one of them just to make sure <laughs> right before I post it. <laughs> they're they're all they're all one of the best ones that we've ever done. <laughs> uh maybe that'll make up for the Hurt episode that this is? That's a good word for short, right? Sure. I, I don't know. If, if I don't respond to you, just, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you might encounter that a few times today. Might be a little shorter than usual. You know, a lot of times we go over two hours with these, especially with it when it's a Rennie Harlan Christmas movie, like we did yeah. with the Midnight Movie Cowboys. This one's going to be a speed run, I think. Yeah. Also written by Shane Black, who loves setting an action movie at Christmas. That he does. 
You haven't even seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen it. I thought you told me like a couple weeks ago you never seen it. Uh, that was not me. <laughs> Boy, I feel like a horse's patoot. So I was like, oh, I'll just challenge that uh, to Brett next time we do a recently seen. I I saw it uh, when it came out, but a few years after. I see. Iron Man 3, is that Christmas? That's Christmas, isn't it? That one I have not seen. I think it is, actually. It's set during Christmas. but Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I think, was one of those ones where like, I thought I was a Robert Downey Jr. fan, and then uh, I saw that one, and I'm like, he's not a very good actor. What? <laughs> Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I watched it, I rewatched it uh, the other night. Had a hell of a time. Funnier than I remember. I might give it another shot. But I feel like that's one where he plays himself in it, and I don't really like him when he plays himself. Yeah, he's kind of doing his shtick. But him and Val Kilmer have good chemistry together. They're pretty funny. Although he claimed that in the the MCU, he he didn't play himself uh, as you know Tony Stark. Like it wasn't just him going and being Robert Downey Jr. But also, he said it ruined his acting skills, or he was right; it was going to ruin his acting skills. <laughs> All right. Well, you said I don't think I'd mentioned the the title of the film that we're doing. Kiss Kiss or sorry, Long Kiss Goodnight. Another Kiss Shane Black movie. But you've just mentioned not, it. That is not, f- not a Kiss movie. It's, it's <laughs> a, a movie by Shane Black with the word Kiss in the title. You're looking for someone, but it's not Kiss. It's not Kiss Save Santa. <laughs> the movie in the Family Guy episode. Inspired by Phantom of the Park, of course. Stu's favorite. I think it's a dead heat between that and Can't Stop the Music. So I've heard. <laughs> Speaking of those guys, they just put out their Halloween episode. They did. Very timely. Phantasm. First watch for Stu. I've still never have seen it. I, it's on all my watch lists. Just got to make some time and watch that dang thing. Well, I don't know what you're going to do now because you got to watch the new Rebel uh, Rebel Moon movie like Five times a day. I do. Support the cause. You pick up something new every time you watch it. Just quickly. Speaking of which, <laughs> uh, I went into Cedar Cliff Collectibles earlier this week. And I dropped off a nice present for Zolly. Hanukkah had just ended, but gave him an early Christmas present. Gave him a microphone. <laughs> so the next time you hear him, It'll hopefully be loud and clear. It wasn't top of the line, but it's good enough. It's not the mic from his Zoom camera or whatever the fuck he's using <laughs> over there. It's, it's like 15 feet away from his mouth. <laughs> then I think he has to start wearing headphones. I think that's why his voice gets cut off a lot. Probably. Because it doesn't yeah. want to cycle the audio through and echo. and Don't want that feedback. That's a, that's a big uh, improvement. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, Let's not waste any more that. time. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get into the movie. <laughs> Are you sure? Anyway, well, finish your Zolly story. <laughs> finish your Zolly story, then uh, I, was I just don't gonna, know what well, else you got. Of course, you know, he was counting down the hours and the days this whole week, you know, is five days left, you know, four days, 20 hours, and 15 hours to go. Rebel Moon. He's He was excited. He watched it, loved it. Sure, you can't wait for the director's cut. While I was in there, I perused their Blu-rays as I want to do, and Sucker Punch was there. 
I've never seen Sucker Punch, so I bought that sight unseen. So added to my Zack Snyder collection, I will finally see Sucker Punch, which got about the same Rotten Tomatoes rating as Rebel Moon. So it's got to be just as good, right? I think Sucker Punch got cut the shit by the producers, though. I believe the Blu-ray I picked up is an extended edition. Yeah, I don't know if that's like a full director's cut, though. Yeah, uh, Zolly mentioned something as I bought it. He goes, I, but still needs a Snyder cut or a you know a director's cut. Yeah, I've heard murmurs about it on X. Can't remember if it's from Snyder himself or it's possibly in the works, but who knows? Anywho, you're right. Let's get down to it. Long Kiss Goodnight from 1996, directed, of course, by the Rennie Harlan. This is the second Rennie Harlan Christmas film we've done after Die Hard 2 with the MMC. As you mentioned, written by Shane Black, starring Gina Davis as Samantha Kane or uh, Charlie or Charlene. Charlie. Charlie, yes. Charlie Baltimore. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson as Mitch Hennessy. <laughs> I got a kick out of that name. Uh, well, you don't you don't find out his name until like an hour in. Like they start calling him Hennessy, and then as they get more familiar, she starts calling him Mitch more yeah. frequently. Yvonne Zima plays Caitlin, the the daughter. Craig Bierko as Timothy. Craig, Craig Bierko in a rare non uh, parody movie. Yeah. Not non-spoof movie. <laughs> Indeed. I just know him from uh mainly from Fear and Loathing, I think. Oh yeah. I forgot. <laughs> Duke I forgot he was in there. Duke. Duke. <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> but he was in a bunch of the scary movie sequels. Right. I think. At least one. Yeah. Scary movie two. four. He's in the thirteenth floor, which I have not seen, but I've heard rave reviews about this is cinderella man and julia oh he was in superhero movie but it seems was cut mm. a lot of television i feel like he just did a bunch of comedy after the the 90s ended right i'm a little surprised he doesn't get a little more work because he's pretty good in here he can chew the scenery with the best of them which is why it worked so well in scary movie four because he was, I think he was the uh, Tom Cruise uh, oh, stand-in. Yeah, yeah that's, that sounds about right. I don't think I ever saw four. I might have seen a clip here or there. I just saw the first three. First one I rewatched the other night. Holds up. <laughs> uh, continuing with the cast, Tom Amandes played Hal. Brian Cox played Nathan. Patrick Malahide is Perkins. David Morse is Luke. Joseph McKenna was One-Eyed Jack. He was that prisoner that escapes and goes after Charlie. Well, it was Jack until he met Charlie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Rex Lynn was the man in bed caught with the, the prostitute. Which, more on that in a minute. Anybody else on the cast list that I'm forgetting to mention? Somebody of note. Well, Larry King makes an, he has a cameo at the end as himself. Um, 
Edwin Hodge played uh, Todd Hennessy. Of course, um, how could I forget Gary ba- uh, Bayman, who's the CIA section chief, Walter Hodge, towards the end, or I can't remember if he comes in at the end, but that's Uncle Frank from Home Alone, another <laughs> Christmas film. So Edwin Hodge was in Die Hard with a Vengeance. He was in Big Mama's House. He was uh, he was in the Red Dawn remake. Mm, he was wonderful. in the Purge. He Which was one? in the Purge Anarchy. <laughs> he was in the Purge Election Year. Mm. He was in Bumblebee. He was in the Tomorrow War. So he's getting a lot of work as of late. So he's a child star that, uh, well, star maybe. He's a child actor who grew up to be a uh, pretty solid working actor. Synopsis for the film, Samantha Kane lives in a small town with her daughter. Eight years ago, she emerged two months pregnant from a nearby river with no memory of her past or who she is. However, she's getting closer to finding out about her past. So this is a typical story, as we were talking uh, before we started recording. You know, the, the plot isn't too complex. It's something we've all seen several times, uh, more so lately. But there had to have been some before this. This wasn't the first. Well, there's a but... classic sitcom trope in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is just like, this is like a John Wick. This is, a, was it Mr. Nobody, that Bob Odenkirk one? This is just called Nobody? No, that, that wasn't an amnesia thing. He was retired. Yeah, but it's also like he's he's living a lie with his family. To an extent. It, it's, it's similar, but it doesn't have the amnesia piece. Yeah, which is just kind of a subplot because it's former, you know, secret operative badass living a normal life. Yeah. A la John Wick, a la Charlie Baltimore. So, Rennie Harlan married to Gina Davis still at the time. Now, they divorced a year later or separated. She she filed for divorce in August of 97. Probably because her personal assistant gave birth to Rennie's child the day before she filed. Now that's funny because that's that's relatable to another Christmas film. It seems as though stars or filmmakers were <laughs> having a lot of affairs in 96. Because <laughs> Arnold, I believe, planted the seed for young Joey Baina in 96 while filming Jingle All the Way. And then... A, the what it was a PA that Rennie Harlan impregnated, yeah, personal assistant, probably on this film. Cutthroat Island had already come out uh, in '95, I believe. Although, when, when did this come out? It might have been like shortly after they wrapped, which uh, kind of ruined his career, at least mainstream wise. No one, tr- no one trusted with money anymore. In fact, I wish we had John on or dress the MMC, they could give us a little better detail. I thought I remember John or someone saying before that they might have had Long Kiss Goodnight in the can a while, and they waited to release it. Long Kiss Kiss Goodnight came out in October of 96. So if the kid was born in August of 97, he would have been conceived like a month after it came out. Okay. So maybe just a personal assistant day to day. I know what he... What did Rennie Harlan do after this? 
What was his next film? Uh, Let's see here. Driven? <laughs> I want to say, say Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, it looks like Deep Blue Sea was the next one. Well, that was 99. That was, yeah. yeah. Sort of an after the divorce is finalized. They probably didn't shoot anything during the divorce proceedings. But yeah, Cutthroat Island kind of ended his career. Uh, Long Kiss Goodnight was a moderate success. In fact, let's check out the budget on this bad boy. 65 mil estimated. Worldwide gross, 89 and a half mil. So, I don't even know if you can even call that a moderate success. That's like breaking even, basically. But I remember about as much. I I hadn't seen this until last year, two years ago. I have a Blu-ray, although... You know, there isn't like a collector's edition, special edition. There's no 4K that I know of. I don't think so. And, but this is always, it's it's kind of gotten cult status. It's well thought of. People know it's a Christmas film. But yeah, it just hasn't really taken hold as, it, it's underrated, I would say. It's hasn't been given its due. What's wild is like, like 12 people I follow on Letterboxd have it rated and all but three gave it four stars or higher. Mm. So, yeah. A lot more popular than I thought it was. This is Shane Black operating at a high level. I mean, it's always a a PI involved in some sort of a complex conspiracy. Just like Last Boy Scout. Just like the nice guys. Just like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I don't care that he does it over and over again because it's a lot of fun every time. <laughs> Watching movies like this, it doesn't make me want to see, hey, I want to watch Shane Black's Predator. Like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. I like the original Predator very much so. We could thank him for that. But, you know, it's just, you know, of course, the original Lethal Weapon, another Christmas film. Wasn't Last Boy Scout a Christmas one, too? I it's definitely a winter. Definitely winter. Well, they do that the football scene and it's snowing, isn't it? No, it's raining. Yeah, but they're in like and it's in LA. (laughs) So it's not definitely not snowing. Because he was a quarterback for the LA Stallions. Don't you remember? The LA Stallions? No, I (laughs) I watched that movie for that scene because everybody's like, oh, it's so wild. And then like the rest (laughs) of the movie happens, and it's like, I mean, it's just okay. I I saw that probably was about seven or eight years old, and that was shocking. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it was that, you know, I love Last Boy Scout. Not sure what my favorite Shane Black would be, but he's had he's had some real winners. I think, uh, like you said, Long Kiss Goodnight is kind of quintessential Shane Black. Mm hmm. Like, if you want a like, example of, like, what Shane Black at his, like, most Shane Black is, I think this movie <laughs> yeah. kind of, you know, takes the cake. Yeah, a lot of fun dialogue. I know that he has a pin in his, like, car accident. Uh, I know he cuts his own hair. He doesn't even own a TV. He, he sits down when he pees. Hey, hey, he's, hey, he's... that's enough. I'm getting a bone in here, all right? I mean, you could say this is post-Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs. It, it's kind of like if you compare the scripts from like maybe Lethal Weapon, you know, this is a lot wittier 
I guess you could say it's punched up a bunch more. Maybe he's trying to emulate Tarantino, but last Boy Scout was 91, I believe. And that's pretty witty. And that's a lot of fast paced dialogue. You know, he's got the, the neo-noirish dialogue down, at least the, the hilarious version he does. Mm-hmm. A lot of great lines in here. It, it's, it's hard to pick a out of context clip for this one because there's so many to choose from. But uh, rest assured, there was plenty of funny lines that landed on our cutting room floor for the out of context clip. But uh, let's get into it. It opens at a Christmas parade, does it not? It does. Because we both, well, I, I watched this like two weeks ago now, because or three <laughs> weeks ago. So I'm a little, a little hazy, but. Yeah, it starts at a Christmas parade, and that kind of kicks everything off because it's televised for some reason. Mm-hmm. Not just this, televised. This small town Christmas parade. Televised in the prison where one Eye Jack is by himself <laughs> watching it on TV. Because <laughs> Charlie Baltimore, or Samantha Kane, as she's known right now, she's playing Mrs. Claus in the parade. I love how there's like three, four, five creepers Watching the parade, they're all oh, Mrs. Claus, you're hot. <laughs> I tell you what, she stands out in this crowd. Yeah. Ooh, but I love to jump on her bones. Mm. Like, like she, she looks like she's from Hollywood, you know. And everybody else looks like they're just from small town America. So, am I to conclude that you're a Gina Davis fan? And I don't, I'm not talking about her filmography. I'm talking physically. Does she I, get I, you going? I think it uh, it varies from uh, project <laughs> to project. And, uh, like, even in this one, like, I'd take her as Samantha Kane over uh, Charlie Baltimore. Oh, uh, really? With the, with the, the short blonde uh, greaser hair or whatever. Yeah, it's it's not my favorite look of hers. But, of course, you have the more traditional... Like a league of their own, the long curly hair, as, as the fly. I haven't watched the fly in forever. I'm sure she's all yeah, right in there, but yeah, she's got a interesting gum to tooth ratio. Yeah, as Stewie so famously <laughs> pointed out, that's I love. That was one of my favorite bits that they did because it's so perfect too. And it's like she is attractive enough, but. <laughs> When she smiles, you see too much gum. Not a good tooth to gum ratio. There's a scene later on where Sam Jackson is riding in the car with her, and this this hot blonde woman's jogging down the side of the street. <laughs> and she's just like, like big tits, nice ass, and like mm-hmm. he damn near drives off the side of the road. Look, <laughs> and he goes. If it's any consolation, you got her beat every day of the week from the neck up. <laughs> uh. I'll say she looked good in that Mrs. Claus uh, oh, costume sure. is, is what I was getting at. Mm-hmm. Especially compared to the rest of the cast of characters there. It was, it was definitely a, a jump in the... Uh, the uh the rankings uh, <laughs> between her and the rest of the crew yeah yeah it kind of jumps from there to samantha kind of going through her life narrating talking about she was born eight years ago with fully grown and clothed and whatnot yep two months pregnant 
has this form of amnesia. She's an elementary school teacher and uh, just, yeah, living the small town life as her daughter dating a guy. I think they're married, actually. She said, I'm seeing a guy, uh, good sense of humor, blah, blah, blah. So they aren't married. Oh, they live together, though. They do. They do. He's there for breakfast every morning. I tell you what. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting house set up, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll find out when when I Jack makes his appearance later. (laughs) Pretty. It's a pretty quick jump from like the, the Christmas parade and the narration to that dude in jail. See, like watching this parade and then going nuts as soon as he sees her. Yeah, there's there's a little bit in between there. Like they have the party back at their house, and right, they, uh, you know, they establish that her uh, husband or boyfriend uh, makes terrible jokes. But does he? Uh, does One Eye Jack see the footage before or after the accident? It's um, the car accident. It's after the accident. Okay. Yeah. Because so we have the Christmas party, and then it's the. Um, the introduction to Sam Jackson's character, and then the right. car accident, and then okay. when I Jack watching on TV, the holiday party that they're having. Who's getting shit faced with the the whiskey? Who was that? There's some old guy. I don't. <laughs> some... It was a friend of the family or something. Because it, you know, it's obviously yeah. not her family because nobody knows who her family is. But... I don't think he was a relative. I think he was just like, uh, you know, some old guy in the town. <laughs> Gets a little uncomfortable on the way home with how shit faced he is. But yeah, it leads to uh him being a little too forward with her, to put it lightly. And then uh car loses control after hitting a deer, right? Yeah, that was quite the scene. Cause they use a, a animatronic deer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like threw it at the windshield. Yeah, it looked great. <laughs> Went right through the windshield. That was and still I... when they were using a lot of that, you know, that candy glass. Yeah. No spider webbing with the no tempered glass with this windshield. This goes right through. And it kicks the shit out of the guy's face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she hits a tree and like the, the deer goes flying and she goes flying through the windshield. Mm-hmm. And uh the old man gets stuck in the car, which eventually starts on fire. Uh I forget. No, he he comes too, doesn't he? Kind of, but he can't move. So it's like, there's nothing that anybody can do. Um, she wakes up and she uh, she breaks the deer's neck because it's still mm-hmm. not dead somehow. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she just lays down bleeding. But she's very good at snapping that neck. Oh, yeah. Leaving the audience to wonder. Maybe there's something more to this, this uh, small town school teacher. Classic amnesia move that a blow to the head brings your memory back. Mm-hmm. That's Definitely. well-established science. <laughs> That's scientifically proved that you was adjusting my seat. That's not science. It is, and just let it go. It's not science. I said let it go. I'm just saying. science, goddammit. The science is settled, Brett. That's like in uh, Miss March when he uses the baseball bat to wake up his friend from the coma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I knew it would work. I haven't watched Overboard in forever. I forget how... She snaps out of it. I think it's like she gets another blow to the head and is like, this isn't my family. <laughs> Never seen that one. Oh, really? Either version. Goldie? Never seen either version. 
You don't want to watch it with somebody pushing 50, do you? <laughs> Anna Ferris made that when she was like 42 or something. This, this is like five years ago. I was thinking it was Amy Schumer was in that one, but that might be a different one. No, it was Anna Ferris and uh, I don't know, some some Latino guy. Yeah, that's right. It wasn't Pedro Pascal, was it? I feel that was made no, today. It was not it would be him. It they definitely him was everything. not. Yeah. Um. So we 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 jumped over our first clip, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's meet Sam Jackson. Yep. The private eye, who bursts in on a a solicitation in progress. <laughs> Please don't move. What the hell is this? Uh, 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 don't give me attitude, sir. See, you're assuming I won't shoot your sorry ass, and everyone knows when you make an assumption, you make an ass out of you and umption. Now, I'm Sergeant Madigan Vice, and if you do cop a two jerk off, I will see to it you spend the next 10 years in prison getting ass fucked. And if the case is thrown out because my arrest was too violent, I will personally hire men to ass fuck you for the next 10 years. So if you're an ass fucking fan, you go ahead and mouth off. Meanwhile, you're under arrest for the crime of prostitution. Officer Dunleavy, read him his rights. What? Rights. You have the right. You have the right to remain silent, and uh, anything you say and do will be held against you. And hey, please, you gotta listen to me, man. I got a wife. This, I've never. This is the first time I've ever done this. Sir, I swear to God. Sir, listen to me. I can see from your choice here, you're not a wealthy man. Now, in light of the damage this arrest could do to you, I uh think we might be able to make some kind of arrangement. Oh, God. Gotta stop using bums. Forget that. They look like cops. We pulled it off, didn't we? It was embarrassing. You want me to hire actors, for Christ's sake? These guys are cheap. They work for food. And when they puke all over you, is that like a refund? <clears throat> oh, 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 Jan. I'm pissing myself here. You're so funny. <laughs> So I was watching this with the wife. This is the second time I've seen it. And uh, we both jumped to the same conclusion. So this is like a South Park, like free situation. It, it seemed like she had already done the deed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So his partner, also in the private detective business, is like fucking men. Yeah. Is fucking men. To then they swindle money out of to avoid going to jail. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're also paying bums to pose as other police officers for I don't know why. Why do they need a witness? They need three of them, I guess. They need three cops. Yeah, but like they're paying a lot of people. Like I know they're you know they're, they're bums, so they probably aren't charging that much. Well, he pays them in full and food. So they're not uh, getting scale, but. <laughs> pays them in food and when they throw up that's a refund but it's like why even why do you need them (laughs) why do you need two of them like just get one of them Uh, he's a private detective so he doesn't he can't pose as a police officer that would be illegal so i guess he's having the bums do that but i don't know it just seems like there's a lot of mouths to feed in that situation and meanwhile the secretary's fine just i don't know fucking all these randos for a little bit of money i guess so. how much did he have in his wallet how much did they make out with 100 bucks who knows but uh that was a pretty mean line where he said uh by the looks of things you're not a very wealthy man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for, 
from your choice. <laughs> Just seemed weird to me, but yeah. <laughs> Flashbacks to that South Park episode. I don't know how much money they make off of that, but like, God, she she's maybe she's keeping the prostitution money too. I don't know. I suppose she is. This is about the same time that we meet Samuel L. Jackson's son, right? He goes to drop off yeah. a present. Yep. And he can't accept it because he'd been caught stealing before. Mom thinks he's a, you know, a criminal, a thief, which well, yeah, the, the present may or may not have been stolen. Even if it was bought, it was probably paid for with stolen money. <laughs> But he said the last time he got a present, mom bought, uh, mom called all the toy stores in town to see if they were miss if they had any stolen merchandise missing. Right. And he says, "Tell your mom I don't steal from in town stores." <laughs> yeah, that was, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, we find out that uh, Hennessy used to be a cop, right? Eventually, I don't know if it's in this scene, but yeah, eventually we do. Yeah, eventually we find out that he was a cop, but he uh, and he also got busted for stealing bonds, which he right did. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, they they found all the bonds at my place. Oh, they were planted there. No, I I put them there. Because his character arc throughout the film is all about him trying to redeem himself. Because he talks about how he's never done the right thing, and he's yeah. Trying to finally do it. Um, really, his, his secretary does all the legwork. <laughs> hey, All the heavy lifting, if you will. The legwork. I get it. Well, with well, these Johns, I'm sure it's not heavy lifting. Oh. But yeah, she tracks down a former uh, landlady who had a bunch of Samantha Kane stuff for some yeah. reason. Yeah, because... They were on Samantha Kane's case because they don't charge much because they're cheap and not very good. They're the last PI firm in town. Yeah, Samantha Kane narrates that she uh, has been paying private detectives lots of money over the years to try and find out her past and nobody come up with anything. And she's kind of run out of money to do that. So mm -hmm. she's just using Hennessy now. But yeah, so there's, there's a new lead on Samantha Kane matter. Also, when she gets back from the hospital, she's really good at cutting vegetables. Yes, she is, indeed. <laughs> Which, I don't know, it, it just kind of seemed weird. It was like, me, I get I get that up until that point, they kind of joke about, oh, she's really bad at doing normal shit. <laughs> but, yeah, she's really good with a knife now. I mean, the chopping wasn't that impressive, but then she uh, throws and hits the, what does she throw up, like a tomato or something? Yeah. And like pins it against the fridge or something. Yeah. Yep. Chefs do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a chef. Mm hmm. Uh, and then we find out that one eyed Jack broke out of prison. Yeah. I thought it was weird that. So he sees her on TV. And in the span of about one day, if that, he busts out of prison and gets a gun from the movie Eraser somehow. Some like futuristic photon gun or something. I haven't seen Eraser, so I don't... Oh, really? I didn't get a good look at the gun. Well, maybe I did. It didn't seem like it was like... It seemed like it was kind of like, uh, you know, like what Tony Montana had at the end of Scarface. The guns in Eraser were like these rail guns, basically. It was like these assault rifles that would fire these huge aluminum rounds at the speed of light. Mm. 
and it uh, everything was illuminated green. So it was like pew, 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 with these massive, you know, just blow a hole in the wall type of thing. Yeah. This I don't know what the hell that gun was that the guy had, but it was some futuristic that they don't like address. Like you see it in this scene, and then never again. I thought it was like Tony Montana's assault rifle with the rocket launcher with or the grenade launcher. Rather. The grenade launcher. I it didn't look like a grenade to me. It looked. I don't know. It looked science fictiony to me, but who knows? Maybe you're right because it just blew a hole in the wall. There wasn't like an explosion. <laughs> in a movie, a grenade would just have a big explosion. True, but there was just a huge hole in the wall. But uh, yeah, well, we got to play our next clip first because this is more of uh, Samantha's old uh, character coming out. Sure, uh, with her daughter teaching her to ice skate. I can't see Mister Perkins. He's there. He's on the side. See him? He's watching you. He's very excited. Oh, that's better. Ready to try it along? I want you to hold my hand. Yeah. Oh, just pretend I am. You can do it. It's okay. Here we go. Ready? Mom, it won't work. Swear. Sure it will. You're one of the X-Men. You're tough. Ready? Let's go. Three, two, one. Wait, go. I'm not ready. Go, go. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Ow. Ow. I can't do it. I want to go home. Look, I know you're afraid. That's the whole point. Can't you see that? Stop being a little baby and get up. I can't skate anymore. My wrist hurts. Life is pain. Get used to it. See, you will skate all the way to the shore, Princess, and you will not fall again. Am I understood? She's very cold towards her daughter. Yeah. Turns out her daughter broke her wrist. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, back to One-Eyed Jack. Mm-hmm. Sneak attacks behind some carolers. Yeah, it was it was a pretty cool ruse. Uh, we forgot to mention the right after the Christmas parade, uh, the score, the soundtrack had a some Christmas songs right afterwards. So it's Christmas time in this small town. And uh, yes, One-Eyed Jack is holding some carolers hostage he has some guns on them forcing them to sing it's like those new verizon commercials that are (laughs) everywhere (laughs) so of course they open the door to listen to the carolers but it's several armed men hiding behind them no it's just one well i thought there was uh one or two more guys it's been was there i thought there was a couple more other guys I i think it was just jack was it yeah, I say it's been like three weeks. That there was more going on because she doesn't kill Jack, right? There, oh, she kills Jack, but Eventually. in that scene, in the scene, yeah, because he shoots a hole in the wall at the top of the stairs, and she right. takes Caitlin, throws her through the hole into <laughs> yeah. the treehouse. That was cool, which is an amazing feat of strength and mm-hmm. uh, creative physics. <laughs> Yeah, Rennie Harland, uh, he's not bad at uh, shooting set pieces. 
I like the physics of, of a lot of the set pieces in this film, specifically the climax. I love that. Yeah. But like in Die Hard 2, I really like the shootout uh, on the walkways, the the escalator and the, the moving walkways at the airport. That was done really well. There's some fun stuff on the plane and the snowmobiles. Die Hard 2 is not incredible with the action, but I mean, it can't hold a candle to one, but there's some good stuff there. Have not seen Cutthroat Island. I haven't either. I'm not chomping at the bit to, but one of these days I got to see what, what film killed Corolico. So it's a part of film history. So anyway, yeah. So she throws Caitlin through the wall and then she and Jack start fisticuffs. Jack gets the, the better of her for a minute. And then uh, she uh, cream pies him. That's <laughs> Uh, what a switcheroo that is she hits him with a karate chop and then snaps his neck Mm -hmm. that's that's how jack ends his life i thought there was someone else there it's not because then you know he's working he's working for this cloak and dagger government operation chapter (laughs) yeah chapter so it's called it's funny as I mean, jumping ahead quite a bit, but the whole plan, didn't you find it kind of stupid? <laughs> like they just want money from Congress? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to kill 4,000 people so that Congress funds us. Like, why don't you just fucking steal uh, millions of dollars? Like, you're not getting, you know, maybe they're getting some raises or something or other, but why don't yeah. you just steal money? <laughs> It's much less, uh, you know, your your exposure is much less and the consequences are far less than, you know, murdering thousands of people. Like, just well, steal the, some money. Then they were going to, the patsy was already dead and they were going to drop him five miles from the bomb. Like, just like leave they, him in the truck. <laughs> like, they don't even have to, like, rob a bank in the U.S. Like, they could rob some other country or something. It could be under the guise of an operation. Like, why are they like, we got to kill thousands of Americans so that Congress continues to fund us so we still have jobs? The implication was that the uh, previous World Trade Center bombing was one of the the last times they did that type of thing. Right. They do mention that. It was the inside job. Even if they get a a moderate raise, you're not talking about a lot of money. So I guess you're, you're led to believe that these guys are real... Like they bleed red, white, and blue, right? They're all about the country and protecting it, but they don't really talk about that. They're just like, we need funding. We want this to keep going. If the country is too stable, mm-hmm. the, their uh, division gets cut. Yeah. And then they're all out of jobs. Exactly. But it's like, you can't get another job at the CIA or any of these other government age, NSA, whatever. Right. You're yeah. se- you know, you're, you're, you're assassins, secret agents. Like, oh, I'm out of a job now. Fucking open up the soldier of fortune. There you go. Right. Problem solved. <laughs> just like just like in um that John Cena movie with Allison Bree. Uh what was that one called? Um Embrace the Suck. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like a lot of these guys, the the Craig Bierko and all of them, they're kind of all the you know, the, the the foot soldiers for this uh oh god, what was his name? Um Perkins. Yeah, who's the name of the teddy bear? If you, if you, yeah, Mr. Noticed. Perkins, which I just noticed, uh, this 
listening to the clip now is like Mr. Perkins. Yeah. Seems like, you know, Perkins, I could see, you know, his his division is going to be well funded after this uh, t- supposed terrorist attack. So I could see him like skimming a lot off of that. Maybe he's involving all these other men in the skim or something, but it just seems like Birko and all these other guys are just like, we're going to continue to do what we've been doing. <laughs> you know, it's not like they're making, doesn't look like they're making millions of dollars. Well, also they were, they were targets and now they're allies. Right. He was, yeah, he was, but it's like that, that seems like that's already been okay at the Pentagon because he's been involved in operations recently. So, yeah, well, it, was all, it, it was all because the cold war ended. Right. And uh, Charlie Baltimore is a relic of the cold war. Exactly. Just like James Bond. Which I think is our next clip. Mr. Perkins, you lost one of your agents whose training included, among other things, counter-assassination. Now she turns up as Belle of the Christmas Parade. Well, that information is uh, two weeks old, Mr. President. To my knowledge, Charlene Baltimore died in my employ. Relic of the Cold War, the kind of violent operative that has since been eliminated from our ranks. You recruited this woman? For chapter, sir. The late 70s, her father was a friend of mine. I... Oh, stop that. I don't want to hear that stuff intelligence community you people are unbelievable you dump a mess like this in my lap and then you come whining to me and say where is our funding well i'll tell you where it is can you say health care that evil president giving people health care cutting their funding a darn democrat Mm -hmm. cutting defense funding for health care i can confirm that this movie was not held up because of Cutthroat Island because there was still f- they were filming in early 20 or uh, early 96. So this was not in the can, as I suggested earlier. But uh, the, the script was purchased for four mil, which was a record at the time from Black uh, in 94. So that would have been before Cutthroat Island. So this was all lined up before Cutthroat Island and then Cutthroat Island bombed horribly. So much so mm-hmm. that it ended a studio. And then this comes along, does meh, scrapes by, breaks even barely, if that. I'm sure it did okay, you know, on home video. But, you know, like we mentioned earlier, it wasn't played a lot on television in the late 90s that I can recall. Like, I, I recognize the name, but like I didn't see it until three right. years ago. Um... I'd always heard the name as well, but it was always kind of like one of those mid to late nineties films that are, you know, well thought of, but like out of a sight, it's like, yeah, you always heard about it, but not a ton of people were watching it at the, at the time. But even when I watched it three years ago, I, I feel like it was much more mixed reception at that time. Hmm. Like there were, there were a lot of people who were starting to discover it and see, you know, and like it, but it, it still seemed like there's a lot of people who didn't like it. Right. So I don't know, but uh, now it seems like it's pretty universal, uh, universally uh, beloved among my circle, right? Uh, and letterboxed, much like Rebel Moon. Just real quick, <laughs> I don't follow too many people, and it seems like the people I do follow, fucking love it. They're all Snyder people. <laughs> well, one guy you and me both follow has probably seen it at least twelve times already. 
It came Lo- out two days ago. Yeah. Lorez didn't like it, but he's about the only one. There was one other guy I saw that gave it like two and a half middling review, but I need to watch it. Um, but yeah, yeah it seems like it's what what the people who like it are saying is that like a lot of Snyder movies, it seems like you have to watch it a couple times to fully appreciate it. Then I just want to watch the director's cut because I know that's going to be better. Right. It's R rated versus PG 13. Although this one was weird because like Netflix like gave him free reign to make his own cuts, but they yeah. insisted that he made two different versions of it. Yeah, I, I thought that was weird too, but I saw an interview with Snyder where he talked about uh, wanting to put out a more family-friendly version initially versus just putting out the, the director's cut. Although, you know, I would say, why can't you just put them out at the same time? Right. But maybe he's still working on it. I think he did mention he's still working at least on the second one. So maybe there's a deadline and they're like, okay, that's fine. We'll just have the, you know, the, the more family friendly version come out first and give you some more time for the directors. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Anywho. Uh, so that clip ends with um, Charlie and Hennessy in the car. Where are they driving to? I know they end up at the train station pretty soon. I forget. They were, they were going to like the old, uh, the old house, I think, or I, I don't know, but they had all this stuff from the old house and they had like an yeah. address on there and then they found a phone number and they called Brian Cox mm-hmm. who, uh, he tells them to meet him at the train station, right? Yeah. Meet me at this train station tomorrow at 11. It's halfway between you and me. And so they stop for the night and she finds a sniper rifle in her suitcase. Right. Which... I guess she it's been eight years and she never looked in her suitcase, but or like <laughs> right. Why did she have a suitcase with a sniper rifle in it? Maybe she didn't go anywhere in eight years. She never needed to to use the suitcase. But like they pulled her out of a river. She has a suitcase in the river with her? And no, well, maybe it was in a there was a vehicle nearby or something. Yeah. I don't know whose suitcase it was, but uh there's a sniper rifle in there, which she discovers and puts together because it's all in pieces. And then she, she almost uh, shoots Hennessy. She's surprised by her memory. She knows how to put it together. This, this school teacher from small town USA. And uh, of course, her skills were already showcased in the, the fight at their house. And there's some dream uh, dreams uh, scenes of her and Charlie kind of like her remember right. who she is and things like that. Right. Yeah. Some vague flashbacks and whatnot. Uh, and then uh, where did we get to next? Like I said, the train station's coming. Yeah. Let's just jump to that. There's the story of him stealing the bonds, which we already talked about. Yeah. Um, they get to the train station 10 minutes early and uh, Craig Bierko there. He tries to buy her a beer. Mm-hmm. She doesn't remember him. So he sucks like, 20 guys to kill her in Hennessy. Mm-hmm. And they eventually uh, shoot their way out and then jump out of the top floor window into the frozen lake below. As she's uh, she to break the ice to soften their fall, she fires the automatic. I think she has an Uzi or not an Uzi, but a God, I forget the fake term for it. By fake, I mean what it was called in GoldenEye 64. It started with a K. 
clob maybe or, but or, it was one of those submachine guns that yeah she breaks the ice with the submachine gun they crash through and they avoid hypothermia somehow <laughs> well brian cox picks them up yeah i wrote that down that was that was a hell of a grenade don't you think it blew out like a whole floor of a building <laughs> it sure did <laughs> one grenade and the explosions in this movie are pretty comical yeah it, it's a bit dated in that way but hey i'll they it's a lot of at least what appears to be practical it's not a lot of cgi rear projection but you know at the end with the with the them outrunning the explosion like there's rear oh, projection yeah. and whatnot yeah. but it doesn't look too cgi and this is post Jurassic park so people are starting to use it but Anywho, uh, yeah, so they, uh, as you said, uh, Brian Cox picks him up. Uh, I think that leads to our next clip. I think so. He informs her of her background and who she is. Jesus, old man, how many of those things you got? Three, one shoulder, one hip, and one right here next to Mr. Wally. Well, most pat-downs never reveal it, as an agent's often reluctant to feel up another man's groin. Any other questions? Yeah, what's the weather like on your planet? <sighs> Charlene, my darling. My name is Samantha. Samantha Kane. No, 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 forget all that. School teacher business was your cover. Do you hear me, Charlie? You hear what I'm saying? Your memory was gone. You got confused. You bought your own cover. It was a fantasy, for Christ's sake. Samantha Kane never existed. You wrote the bloody thing. No, it's not a fantasy. I'm in the goddamn PTA. Then quit. You're an assassin working for the United States government. I don't know. I trained you. <sighs> Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> Your father was in the Royal Irish Rangers, assigned to Belfast. After he was murdered there in 1975, his friend Perkins adopted you. Or perhaps I should say recruited you to work for Chapter, a black bag operation working from the U.S. State Department. You getting this? October 1988. You're assigned to take out a munitions dealer named Dedalus and his hired enforcer, Timothy. You failed to complete your mission, electing instead to die of all things, despite clear orders to the contrary, and dead you remain, until without preamble you re-emerge eight years later and a good deal frumpier. Anyhow, I think we can safely assume that Dedalus is aware of your resurrection and attempting to reverse it. He'll be watching the police, watching the hospitals. We must stay away, understand? So Hennessy becomes suspicious of Brian Cox, thinking there's no way that they would have known they would have been there if not for Brian Cox. So must have tapped his phone at the very least, unless he's in on it. So he makes a good point, which they never like refute or uh, confirm. I forget. I, I thought they explained how they knew they were going to be at the train station. Weren't they tapping Brian Cox's phone beforehand because they knew he was her previous handler? Maybe, but I don't I think remember he, that. I think he was. Ta- I think that he his phone was tapped, and you know, he set up the meeting, so that's why they showed up at the train station. That makes sense, but I, I just don't remember them showing. I that. think what the problem was is he assumed that she just came to and discovered all this, like. I don't think he knew about like the the shootout at the house or anything like that, right? So um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> he gets subdued by Hennessy and they run off. <laughs> yes, they steal and, his car. Mm-hmm. 
and they go to David Morse's uh, place, who they think maybe is a previous fiance to Charlie. Yeah, eventually you find out he was Daedalus or whatever they doodle us. Yeah, he was a, a target. And then yep. the note said to engage. It didn't mean engaged. <laughs> you were engaged <laughs> to him. <laughs> as they as they get there, they arrive. Uh, obviously, Henny sees still a little apprehensive. Not really sure what to make of him. But he's hanging back, just kind of watching everything. He's got a rifle and a gun. And Charlie goes off with David Morse, Daedalus, whatever the fuck his name is. Luke, yeah, I, Luke. They call him Luke, but yeah, Hennessy's just watching everything, and <laughs> Cox comes up behind him with a gun and subdues him pretty easily. <laughs> and then he realizes that he was the target and not a a fiance. Mm-hmm. And so they're about to go try and help Charlie, but out of nowhere, a helicopter swoops in. There's men everywhere, mercenaries. It seems like. Black ops people. Yeah. The jig is up. They're caught. Brian Cox is pretty, I don't know if they show it, but he's killed pretty quickly. And they have Hennessy and Charlie tied up in separate areas. Yeah. I, I don't think they show Brian Cox's death on screen. They just show that he's been drowned. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned earlier about the gun he keeps next to Mr. Wally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they won't pat down another man's groin mm-hmm. because they have charlie tied up to uh what do you call that uh round thing on it like a like a sawmill or something it's like a water flour wheel. mill water wheel or yeah uh, i forget what it's called paddle wheel it uses the river's current to power the mill of course yeah they were tied on onto that wheel and they're torching her they're dunking her um trying to get information and whatnot she's tied up but she remembers that he has a gun in his groin she's about to go down for quite a while she gets her hand free and pulls the gun out of his junk and once david morse pulls her up bam shoots yep. uh, and then how does she get hennessy out of there i forget well he was tied up naked in a cellar mm-hmm. and uh he hears charlie shooting everybody <laughs> She saves him several and times. Then she, and then she just pulls him out eventually. Yeah. And then they go to another, they go to Atlantic City, I think is what it is. And yeah. she does her full trans, transformation to Charlie. Because, yeah, he kind of comes to, he's, he's kind of out of it. He kind of wakes up like, where the fuck am I? And then he sees Charlie with the blonde hair and the, the makeup. and Yeah, I don't know if he got shot or just beat up real bad but yeah he's yeah. he's in bad shape the room's kind of weird where it's seems kind of elegant but like 70s elegant and the tv is really old even for 96 i think they're at the but Taj it's nice Mahal. i think they're at okay. the trump taj mahal because it is still nice it's a big room too it's very full bar everything very classy yeah. 70s classy <laughs> she makes a pass at hennessy he does not uh, return the favor tells her to get her shit together she's got a daughter because mm-hmm. now she is in full charlie mode you know that girl belongs to samantha not charlie yep she calls mr perkins set up a meet she puts out a feeler she wants to get back into the agency 
but she sets it up because she can't trust him. So she sets it up basically trying to see if he's going to try and kill her. Mm-hmm. And he also wants to use Hennessy as bait. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she goes out on the on the town looking for some strange after Hennessy turns her down. <laughs> um, and right away, uh, she finds some strange, but the strange has a gun, takes her to an alley. Luckily, Hennessy had been watching, pulls a gun on said henchman, but there's other henchmen unseen. It's like a Mexican standoff uh, with guns on Hennessy. But Charlie saves the day, basically. Yeah, she kills three guys. They escape into a... It's a Ford Bronco that they're driving, right? Is that what it was? I didn't see it. I was thinking it was like a Range Rover or something. But I don't remember. It looked more like a Bronco. Because this would have been... This would have been like one of the last years for Range Rovers. Because OJ killed it. For I mean, sorry. For Broncos. Because OJ killed it. Because remember, they stopped doing Broncos like a year or two after that chase. Yeah. Until what two years ago? They're like, we're bringing back the Bronco. OJ's out of jail. Yeah, it's a couple time. years ago, they brought the Bronco <laughs> back. It looks okay. Like, I don't mind. I, it's overpriced, but I never thought that style, even back in the 90s, and like, I never thought it was that cool, but I didn't dislike it. I thought it was all right. Who doesn't want a two door SUV that rolls over easily? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that, you know, that the spare tire on the back, it just pulls it all together. You know, the whole look. <laughs> you but, know, there are uh, two white, there are two white Broncos, one belonging to Al Collins. <laughs> That's right. Where are we at now? Well, she almost dumps him and then she comes back and picks him up again. She's like, I don't need you anymore. He's like, you keep on saying, I, this, I, this, it, it seems like, you know what? You don't even really need me. Do you? And she goes, you're right. And she just throws him out of the car. I love that part because he's just laying in the street and he just yeah. stays there and lights up a cigarette and just hangs out. And she ended up circling the block, comes back and figures out she can use him as a decoy again, probably. Yeah. So she picks him up. They actually go back to her, uh, to Samantha's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she figures out what the key was for. She had a key on a charm bracelet around her hand that uh, the numbers were filed off. And she's like, well, I'm the one who filed them off. I remember what it was. It's supposed to be, to, I think, to a briefcase or a locker that has uh, a bunch of money and uh, fake passports. So yeah, it's like needs. an airport locker or something. Yeah. And she remembers the, the number and everything. So he tells Hennessy that he's got to go get it. But while she's doing that, she points a sniper rifle at her daughter in the nativity scene. <laughs> She's just watching, Brett. <laughs> She's just watching. But uh, some goons, they find them, and uh, they start chasing Hennessy in the car and shooting at him. Yeah, so she, she has had... to ice skate across the, the pond <laughs> to cut them off. She had Hennessy circling the block, and he was supposed to honk, right, to warn her yeah. if they came up, and he did. And they chased him. Yeah, you said, yeah, as you said, she... Uh, Ice skates across the the lake, as a uh, Hennessy and the the car chase comes along, and she's it's a pretty cool scene. You know, she's skating, she's shooting at the cars. Well, the car ends up on the pond, mm-hmm. spinning, and she shoots all three passengers while it's spinning. Well, yeah, while she's on ice skates, she's a counter assassin, Brett. I don't know why shooter. they used that phrasing earlier. I was like, she, you can just say she's an assassin. <laughs> We're only assassinating people because they did it first. 
<laughs> for countering their assassination. I'm playing both sides, so I always come out on top. <laughs> um, so yeah, she uh, gets the you're, upper you're hand. You're not supposed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but Timothy comes and kidnaps the the daughter uh, in the church with a uh, he had a like a laughing gas, some rather not laughing gas, but a it could have been laughing. It was some sort of gas that he put the mask on her face and then turned it up and knocked her out. Yeah. Some woman was there, looks on in horror, and he's like, you know, do something about it. And then uh, he tells him to, uh, he gets her on the phone, Charlie on the phone, and he says, go to the Holiday Inn. Instead, they go to the phone company, route all the Holiday Inn calls to the phone company. Mm-hmm. And then they get a trace on where the phone call's coming from. Yeah, so they can answer the call from the Holiday Inn in the tracing station, or in the, sorry, in the, the phone bank. It was a little bit like Black Christmas, but not quite as involved. But it was pretty cool how they rerouted the the number and whatnot and traced the the mm-hmm. incoming call. Niagara Falls Operation Honeymoon, bingo. Mm-hmm. Niagara Falls, one of the few, I guess, slightly American places in this film. This could have been almost a part of our uh, horror extravaganza. <laughs> it takes place mostly in the U.S but it's entirely filmed in Canada except for like one scene in Washington. And then there's this part of Niagara Falls, which is kind of, you know, right on the border. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they try to ambush the uh, operation honeymoon, but it's <laughs> a trap. Well, they let the girl put a candle in the uh, window of her room in captivity, mm-hmm. which we didn't mention earlier when, when they left initially, she gave her daughter a candle to light every night. Right. And vigil until she returned. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. More foreshadowing. And the bad guys were nice of her. Nice enough to let her do that in her uh, captivity. Well, see, this is another Shane Black trope. Get the kid kidnapped. Get the mm-hmm. kid involved. Just like uh, Last Boy Scout, Bruce Willis's daughter gets kidnapped. And the nice guys, you know, she's helping along with the investigation. Uh, um, Ryan Gosling's daughter. But she kind of gets uh, more or less um, captured at the end at the uh, the auto show, and then obviously captured in this one. In Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, there isn't a child involved, but it is a female, and it's a uh, a friend from his youth. So it's 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 kid adjacent, if you will. Oh. It's always private detectives, men and women combined in all of his stories. Although Lethal Weapon, not private detective regular cop and no females involved until Shane Black is out of the picture in Lethal Weapon 3 they get Rene Russo in there but yeah where are we at now I don't know so a bunch of stuff happens at this uh it's like a <laughs> ski resort I don't know do you have the, the clip where they explain everything yeah I guess you guys want to learn about Operation uh, Honeymoon huh yeah let's, let's just play that now I'm gonna miss you major you aren't ready to stay dead. You don't know the rules of the game anymore. Tell me about it. Eight years ago, this guy was on the hit list. Budget cuts, dear. Congress blinded us overseas. I was forced to turn to any eyes and ears I could find, even if that meant recruiting the quote-unquote bad guys here. Budget cuts? Is that what this is about? Operation Honeymoon? 
You're running a fundraiser. Fundraiser? 1993. World Trade Center bombing, remember? During the trial, one of the bombers claimed the CIA had advanced knowledge. The diplomat who issued the terrorist visa was CIA. It's not unthinkable they paved the way for the bombing, purely to justify a budget increase. You're telling me that you're going to fake some terrorist thing just to scare some money out of Congress? Well, unfortunately, Mr. Hennessy, I have no idea how to fake killing 4,000 people. So we're just going to have to do it for real. Oh, blame it on the Muslims, naturally. <laughs> then I get my funding. Good night, old girl. Blame it on the Muslims, naturally. All right, well, this kind of, le- like, the whole third act is pretty much one extended action scene. It's a lot of things happen one after the other. Yeah. I love the, the pace of it. Edited great, shot great. I love the set the set pieces. The stunts are incredible. The third act really, like, I would say overall, uh, this film... It probably doesn't hold up as much as like, like my idea of it. You know, everyone's talking about how great it is for 20 some years. And you're like, Oh, I finally get to see it. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty great, but it isn't like a five-star film or anything, but uh, the action is great. A lot of fun comedy, great dialogue. And this third act, I think really saves it. Like it, it's not like it was meandering or anything, but right. I think the third act is the strongest act of the film and it also elevates it overall i think so she has to break out break out once again um do we just want to get to the freezer part or what yeah. they're, they're torturing hennessy in a separate room which i don't even know why they're torturing him what the fuck does he know <laughs> why do we, why do they even care right <laughs> but you know they kidnap the daughter they're not really going to let her live they're going to have him freeze to death in a freezer craig burico explains to charlie what the bomb is how everything's gonna work um is you know is like a james bond villain you know just Mm -hmm. revealing all the info leaves her in the the freezer to freeze to death where does she get the gas from forget so there's a scene earlier where she falls into like a basement trap Mm -hmm. and like she starts shooting blindly and it's all like gas and kerosene yeah I think in the time between she, her getting stuck down there and them coming to get her, she fills up the baby doll that her daughter Right, has that's where it was, yeah. The doll from the, the explosive, yeah. Yeah, she pours some, because it was one of those dolls that, you know, wets themselves. Yes. Take care of that doll, yes. So it pees out gasoline that she leaves a trail towards the, the freezer door. There's a little, I think it's like a tile or something underneath where there's a, there's a gap that she can get some gas. She chips out. away at it with a, like a oh, crowbar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, she tries to ignite it with a spark with a uh, like a crowbar. Basically, yep. she's trying to bang on the ground. Nothing's happening. She breaks down crying. She's failed, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. Her daughter comes through in a pinch. She has a book of matches that she keeps in her cast to uh, light the candle for her every night. Yep. And right when Craig Bierko is going to shoot Samuel Jackson, everything is ignited. The entire building blows up. And they have a lot of barrels of explosives just laying around <laughs> this place. 
Now, why would anybody soak a rope in kerosene? Is <laughs> pretty comical that Samuel Jackson just blown out of the building. Yeah. Through a sign into the trees. It's all very comedic. But does that mean like Craig Burek and everyone else should have been incinerated and died? Yeah. Yeah, they should all be dead. <laughs> They're all inside there. I just think I thought of that now because it was like funny that Hennessy survives. Like, wait a second, wasn't Craig Burico about to shoot him? <laughs> what happened to everyone else? <laughs> they were next to the window. The only reason that Charlie and her daughter survive is because they got the metal door protecting them. Mm-hmm. They're inside of a freezer. Everybody else should be dead. Yeah, she gets out, and I can't remember if it's before she meets up with Hennessy or after, but she gets her daughter to hide in this. It's like a lockbox on a semi. Tells the daughter to hide, and the daughter runs to the tanker that they're going to blow up. Right. And there's like a cargo compartment in, a, in one of the wheel wells. She locks herself in it. And eventually, uh, you know, they find Hennessy. Hennessy's obviously a bit uh, worse for the wear. He's not doing too well after being blown out of a building. But uh, he's still in the fight, and I think he, he notices that the daughter is in the the lockbox thing, right in the semi. Yes, I believe so. And then, um, and he alerts Charlie. Yeah, Mitch tries to go and free her with Charlie laying cover fire, but like mm-hmm. he still gets shot a bunch of times. It's a very courageous action scene. He's running and gunning. Charlie's shooting everyone she can, but there's too many. There's too many people there. It's like twenty guys. <laughs> Yeah, eventually they they drive the tanker to a Christmas parade, and she commandeers it. Yeah, because uh, Hennessy gets shot twice, once in the ankle, once in the chest, after valiantly trying to save the daughter. Doesn't quite make it. Yep. Left for dead. He ends up coming to and getting himself in a vehicle that's in the back of a semi-trailer. Yeah, the decoy... Uh... <laughs> where they're going to have the perpetrator's car go off a ravine like five miles away for some reason. Yeah, some Muslim dude that they're framing for this. That didn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> why wouldn't you just leave him in the tanker? Well, maybe the dental records wouldn't even be able to be identified then, I guess. Well, they plan on having him found. Yeah, but I'm saying, right. like, if he's going to be blown to smithereens, you're not going to find anything. He's just going to be vaporized. I guess. It's like well, the end of the rock. Bomber. It's a suicide bomber. Nicholas Cage tells me you're not going to find Sean Connery. He's been vaporized. He's like, I, I, a body can do that. Can, oh, oh, sh- oh, yeah. Oh, sure. It's like no time to die. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to find Commander James Bond's dental records. Well, the nukes going to that small <laughs> island. I don't think there were nukes, but there were nukes. There were Moabs, mother of all bombs. <laughs> Bunker busters. Anywho, uh, so Charlie, uh, it looks like she couldn't save Hennessy. Uh-huh. She trudges onward, has a fight with uh, Craig Burico on the side of this bridge. Yeah, they end up at a border crossing. Yep. He falls seemingly to his death, like through a, it's like an opening in a, I don't know what you call it. It's like a tuba water. It was like, there's like a river, but there's also a tube that was, yeah. I don't know, it, may, it was part of a dam maybe or something. I don't know. But he seemingly dies, but doesn't. Comes back later. And she heads up back up to the bridge 
there's still more work to be done. She does get Charlie, or sorry, she does get, uh, fuck, what's the daughter's name? Katie. They, they started calling her Katie at this yeah. point, but it's Kaylin. She gets her out, but by this point, Charlie is not doing so great. She's been shot once or twice, hasn't she? She's pretty worn out. Yeah, she tells Katie to run, and Katie comes back because there's like two. I think she got shot again. The... I think she got what clipped in the head or something, something like that. And, and she's like knocked out, basically. Katie starts yelling at her not to die because life is pain. <laughs> <laughs> and she does come to, starts to save the day. Craig Birko pops out of nowhere in a helicopter. Yeah, the helicopter comes picks him up. This is where Mitch comes out too in the the terrorist car. Yeah, comes he, out of the back of the trailer. Yep, bursts out of the trailer to try and save the day. Birko's shooting at him from above, and best stunt in the movie. Love the sequence. There's a string of Christmas lights, of course. Mm-hmm. That on the other end was one of the other uh, dead bad guys that was hanging upside down and his guns in his holster or his uh, waistband. Yep. belt and so of course charlie cuts the lights at the bottom grabs on him as she's shoots upwards like an elevator grabs the gun on the way up and shoots birko in the helicopter before he can shoot her mm-hmm. looks great gene davis sweet. pulls it off i think you know gene davis she's a bit androgynous right i think that that helps her pull off this character in this film well, they kept talking about how frumpy she looks now. <laughs> well, well, when Brian Cox said that, right? That, and then uh, frumpy the hotel. She's Eight like, I'll never, forgive, I'll never forgive her what she did to my ass. <laughs> but it's like, you still look great, you know? It's not like she got fat or anything. But like, just, just wait 20 years, honey. Uh, you'll love what she did to your ass then. <laughs> wait till the style comes around. <laughs> That's basically the end of the movie. They end up driving off, well, there's a, avoiding the explosion. Long coda. <laughs> we'll yeah. say. The, the bomb does go off, and they drive yes. off, and it is it is quite the explosion. <laughs> there's They have to dodge falling cars in front of them, but they get out of there. They basically go back home, but they're kind of just, it's almost like they're taking a victory lap. They're just kind of driving around, and then it's like, oh, I can't drive anymore. They do kind of get back home, but and then, like, she calls the president, mm-hmm. and he goes on Larry King. Yeah, he does like, survive the gunshot wounds, and yeah, because he's pretty he's pretty bloody in the car at the end. Like, he think he could kick the bucket at any time, but he survives. And then uh, Samantha's back with her uh, boyfriend and daughter mm-hmm. at some uh, country house that they bought with all of the money that she found yep. in her locker. Some cottage. Yeah, that's the end of it. Anything else before we rate this? No. All right. We're kind of back and forth on this. I like it quite a bit. I think I'll give it eventually, and I I believe I give it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. I could go back and I could go back and forth on it, but right now, three and a half eventually. That's the exact same rating I gave it. All right. Perfect agreements. On our Christmas film, 2023, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Uh, Let's get into some fun facts. Hey, everybody, here's some fun facts. 
In the first draft of the script, the name Sam Kane was not an alias used by Charlie Baltimore as it is in the finished film, but was instead a creation of her mind as an anagram of amnesiac. Here's a fun fact. You know, I noticed this about the film in that it's, you know, related pretty closely to the Bourne films and Brian Cox is in those. I was like, well, he's like mm. part of Treadstone. But I forgot that he's actually a part of three former films that feature black ops assassins suffering from amnesia. We got Gina Davis in Lock His Goodnight, Matt Damon in The Bourne Identity, and Hugh Jackman as Logan slash Wolverine in X2. Oh, that's right. That is a fun fact. I completely forgot about that one. And I forgot to bring up Treadstone earlier, but yeah, it is pretty funny that Brian Cox is in all of those. Here's a fun fact. Shane Black became the first writer to sell a script for $4 million. He later admitted that this caused a lot of envy among his fellow screenwriters, as well as accusations of commercialism. He voluntarily retired from the blockbuster industry for almost a decade as a result. Why? <laughs> Fucking sell it. Who cares? As we said, that you know, this was a Shane Black script, but the plot is loosely inspired by Robert Ludlum's novel, The Born Identity, from 1980. I didn't know that book was that old, but apparently it's from 1980. And of course, it would be made into The Born Identity just a few years later in 02. Here's another fun fact. The first draft of the screenplay, Mitch dies of his bullet wounds. Tess audiences liked his character and performance so much, uh, so much so that the ending was reshot, letting him live to save the day and redeem himself. I mean, it was already pretty valiant. It was a, you know, it was a pretty badass way to go out in a hail of bullets trying to save mm-hmm. Charlie's daughter. So, I, in my mind, he had already redeemed himself. But it's almost like a rec- like a recurring joke, you know, with uh, the recurring gag, a la jaws in the james bond films where it's like well he's got to be dead right and then he always comes back and after you know he gets blown out of that building through a sign into the trees it's kind of like you know nothing can kill him so i i didn't mind that they kept him alive i thought it was pretty funny he gets kind of cartoony in that third act with the, mm-hmm. the survival aspect but um so this must be Kind of what you were thinking of earlier. Screenwriter Shane Black sold the script for the movie with the attention of Rennie Harlan directing it and Gina Davis starring in it. Harlan then told him that he and Davis were contractually bound to make Cutthroat Island first, which became one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. Black later stated that this may have caused bad advertisement that worked against the movie as well. That sounds about right. Here's another fun fact. The ice skating scene was scripted to end with Samantha performing a double axle flip and simultaneously firing over her upside down head (laughs) after two aerial rig configurations in sub-zero conditions and several attempts at green screening failed to hold any convincing fluency to the action. It was dropped from the final cut of the film. That would have been a nice little connection though with uh, the ice skating scenes earlier in the film both of them here's a fun fact there's a lot of finnish references in this film because Rennie harlan's from finland that uh, vodka that she has is a finnish vodka and there's a there's a phone booth that's writing on the side this is helsinki is in helsinki finland this is dropping in those little subtle finnish trivia bits 
Anything else jumping out at you? So there's a, there is one that is about Shane Black setting movies at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lethal Weapon, Iron Man Three, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, The Nice Guys, and The Last Boy Scout—all Christmas movies. So I was right about Iron Man Three. I was pretty sure, but oh, also Gina Davis was the first female actor to ever say "suck my dick" in a movie. <laughs> I think that's the perfect trivia bit to end on. Um, anything else, Brett? No, I, I'm glad to take a couple weeks off here. Yeah. So uh, enjoy the back catalog uh, yeah. in the meantime. <laughs> Your voice held up pretty well. Thanks for sacrificing so much for the fans. As uh, we had stated in earlier episodes, we were going to do an episode of Stew with an Aussie film that has been pushed to January sometime. Stu said something about like a Australian Independence Day or something or other that'll coincide with the release. So you'll have to hear that episode next season, next year, in January. See you all next year. Yeah, because we're going to do two Minnesota films, which will end up being uh, two Coen Brothers films, Fargo and A Serious Man, along with probably recently seen and also that uh, Aussie film. Before we get into that time of year where we discuss movies from our youth. So lots to look forward to we got the back catalog we got all the other episodes coming out so uh happy holidays merry christmas of course uh brett you know it's it's never too late to get a christmas gift but if one were so inclined to support the show financially get some cool merch where could one do so go to wtmwatchthismovie.creator-spring.com that's right. You can reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on X at watchthis underscore movie or bread at positivelywolf1. That is also his letterbox profile. Mine is under eric underscore molder. Please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can find or listen to podcasts. We will check you later. Check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man, you're off my case. Ah, that hurt like shit. I know. That's why I distracted you first. Same principle as deflowering virgins. What? What? I read it in this Harold Robbins book. Guy bites around the ear, distracts from the pain. Ever try that? No, no, I sock him in the jaw and your pop goes the weasel. 